Welcome to the link, you guys. We are here. It's a surprise. We're nice. gonna talk about things that are good. You will sing. I've been listening to um to uh, the um, Lord of the Rings on audio tape. Okay. And, and like, did they sing that, dude? Well, at the intro to everyone? the Lord of the Rings, like not the movie version, but the book version. They like sing, like they break out into song a lot. Like you like have Aragorn. And, yeah, they didn't have that Legolas. They did not do that. Or or like you'll see Frodo and they'll be like, give us a song, Frodo. And he's like, he's like, okay. Or like Sam Rudy, Rudy can't sing. Rudy can't oh, sing. Maybe he can. I don't know. What's his name? A message to you, Rudy. He's well, also in the second season of Stranger Things, surprisingly. Bob. <laughs> Today, well, speaking of second things, we're in the second Sunday of Advent. <laughs> Yeah, we are in the second Sunday of Advent. Second season of Stranger Things. And I just said second things, then we have the second Sunday of Advent. And I was just reading First Things, the magazine, earlier today. So So many things are culminating together. How strange all of this is. Very Stranger Things. Ah, um, We are into the second Sunday of Advent. Our first reading is Isaiah chapter 40. Which is like, like this is the origin of all things. Let's just talk about that. You know what I'm saying? The origin of all things, dude. I mean, there's nothing that we've talked about more yeah, on this no, podcast than Isaiah 40. Period. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Now. Okay, so Isaiah 40, one through five, skipping all the way to nine through the eleven. Yeah, we skip over the part that tells us we're all grass that's to be burned up. <laughs> so, so be it. Which, uh, it's not very Christmassy. No, and it's not. I mean, it's kind of like Colorado-y though. Well, it is quite dry here now. No. Uh, our responsorial psalm is Psalm 85, verses 9 through 10, 11 through 12, and then 13 through 14. And the, and the response oracle is verse 8. <laughs> what? The response oracle. I like. I just think responsible, which is which is also made up term. You made that up? Oh yeah, Res- that's not a technical term. No, not in the slightest. What? No. For five years, five years, Father Peter, <laughs> I have thought that was a technical term. <laughs> I just totally made and it I up. And I never man. bothered to look it up because no, no. I just trusted you. <laughs> you're telling me. You're telling me. That I made that up. Oh, my god! The responsible dude. I, I <laughs> thought that you, it would, it, as soon as we you Catholics said ickle, have some weird terms. If you, if you throw ickle on anything, <sighs> you know what I mean? Like, you know. Well, okay. So uh, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless. Okay. Our second reading is Second Peter 3, 8 through 14. Yo. I'm still with our responsible coming from Scott's brain. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Our gospel. <laughs> our gospel is coming from the beginning of the gospel of Mark, chapter one, verses one through eight. Oh my gosh. You like ruined the podcast. You me. feel so betrayed right now. I it's, feel a little bit betrayed. <laughs> you're looking at me because because you you said it with such earnestness and I thought Because I you, thought that was the truth. I thought you've just been like playing along this I'm whole trying time. to be liturgically accurate. <laughs> and, and I've deceived you. I feel like a dad whose you son You duped me and I let myself be duped. I feel like a, a dad who who like whose son figured out that they've been lying to them. Dude, well, so let's, uh, dude, Isaiah 40, 1 through 5, 9 through 11. This is uh, the demarcation line of Isaiah. Yes, it is. It's uh, It goes from the book of woe to the book of consolation. Whoa. Whoa. But it's so funny because it's still mixed up. It's not like pure woe or pure consolation. But what a great metaphor. Metaphor? I'm not sure if it's properly a metaphor. What a great, what demonstration. A great demonstration of the Christian life. And and that's actually the theme that keeps running through my head as I read through all of these is that all of these readings are speaking about the lines basically becoming clear, but the reality is the lines are not clear. 
Mm. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim that her service is at an end. Her guilt is expiated. Indeed, she has received from the hand of the Lord double for all of her sins. All of the, everything will be well. But even when all things are made well, they still don't. And th- this is the this is the paradox. I was giving a talk last Friday somewhere, and we were talking about the paradox of the Christian life. This this Jewish concept called the two ages. We've talked about that, right? Say it again. Long ago. So the, the, the Jewish mentality was this. This was Ju- the Jewish cosmology, the, the worldview, right? The world is a wreck. Um, the, the fallenness brought in, ushered in by Adam and Eve, right? And the, the, the disobedience to God ushered in this world of fallenness, of death and corruption and chaos and sinfulness. But everybody believed that there would come a time when God, would, because he says so in the, in the prophets and stuff, God would step into human history and set things right. He would fix it. And the bad guys would be would be punished. The good guys would be vindicated. Death would be no more. Sin would be forgiven. Um, you know, people would be would be uh, redeemed and happy and all tears would be wiped away. This was this was the game plan, right? And we see this in the in the prophets, we see it in the Dead Sea Scrolls. This was the expectation. What no one expected was what actually happened. Because you have this old age of sin and a coming new age of righteousness and glory and forgiveness. And then the question is, which one do we actually live in? The, the age of righteousness and forgiveness. No, we actually live in the overlap. What no one expected was that there would be a, a an in-between period where we still experience all the effects right. of the brokenness and sinfulness. You and duped me just there right now. And you let yourself be duped. I did. But that, but that's the paradox of the faith. And this well, is, I think, what Jesus and Paul constantly talk about when they talk about the rulers of this age or this earth don't, don't understand this because... The message of the gospel is the world is not as it seems, right? Jesus has actually redeemed us even though you don't feel redeemed. Death is no more even though you still feel fear death. Um, you are free to be a son or daughter of God even though you sometimes feel like a slave to your passions. Mm. What you experience is not necessarily the reality, which is exactly what we do every day in Mass when you sit up there with what looks for all the world like a piece of bread and a cup of wine and you say, hey, everyone, your senses are deceiving you. That's not what this is anymore. The God of the universe is veiled. And so all of these readings are saying, you are being prepared for this moment of glory, but the moment might not look exactly how you thought it would look, mm. right? And the time of waiting is going to end, but you're going to be stuck in kind of this intermediary time. Because when Isaiah is telling the people that God is speaking comfort to them, that their iniquity is going to be expiated, that all the guilt will end, that he is coming, you know, and it goes on, make way in the desert, a path of the Lord, make straight in the wasteland, a highway for God, get up on a high mountain, herald of good tidings of Zion, proclaim that your God is coming to you. It's going to happen. But then guess what? God comes and he suffers and he dies. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know? I mean, we're set up for this reality. God is coming. He's going to defeat all of his enemies. And then a little baby is born. And we have to wait for that baby to grow up. And that baby will begin to speak and proclaim things. And people will reject him and try to kill him. And eventually he'll die. But actually what's being defeated is not Jesus, but death itself. But it's never quite the way we expected it to be. And so the line, which I think uh, St. Peter in the second reading is going to sort of give us the the uh, the key to understanding all of this in a certain sense. He's going to give us the um, hermeneutical sanity, key. The hermeneutical key to understand or at least to live within the middle of it. I'm the gatekeeper. Are I you am the, the key, key master? master. Then, key master. 
Zool. <laughs> Zool. <laughs> we shouldn't say that. No, that's bad. Is it bad? No. It's made up, right? It's made up. Ghostbusters. That's, yeah, that's just Ghostbusters. We're Rick just Moranis. being like Rick Moranis. That's Silly. Am Sigour- I making Sigourney any sense? Weaver. Yes, you are. I, like, absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll understand once we get into to Peter. But well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm reading I'm reading um, Lord of the Rings, and I I know that the cleansing of the Shire, which was not included in the movies, is is in a certain sense the um, is in a certain sense the really important. Uh, it, 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 that's where we are in relationship, like metaphorically or uh, analogously to the Lord of the Rings. Is it basically the large victory has been won? Yes, but there's still cleanup crews. So like, the, like it's it, you use the World War II analogy a lot. Where yeah, you say, Oscar Coleman, who's a theologian, he's the one that came up with that. I don't know if I've ever credited him credited him with the World War II analogy. Thanks, Oscar. Oscar was a big. Uh, he was an important commentator at uh, Vatican II. I was about to say World War II. Vatican II. He was. He was an important commentator. But yeah, what, what happens is that we're. It's like the victory has been won, but now it's just cleanup crew for a couple millennia. Yeah, but that, that's why I like the World War II analogy because because what you're saying doesn't get to the experience of it. That that sounds very peaceful and okay. Well, so be it. But what our experience is is that wait, Jesus has conquered evil and defeated death. Why does it seem not just that we're sort of waiting for something? Why does it seem like death rules and Satan is out of control? I mean, look at the news, look at the culture, look at look at what's it it feels like Satan's winning, right? And to look at it from the outside, and this is why people yeah, criticize the church and believers because we look like a bunch of losers sometimes who are following these backwards, outdated, you know, silly rules and laws and all these things and the world is moving on from us that's the way the world sees it because we are in control we're changing the definitions of things we're changing sexuality we're changing identity and we have the authority to do whatever we want to and it's easy to look and be like wow yeah satan's totally winning that's how it looks but that's not the reality and that's why i like the world war ii analogy from coleman who said we live in basically the equivalent of between d-day which is the day the allies were declared to have won the war Hitler is defeated. But then you have VE Day, which was when everyone was sort of finally actually vindicated and and freed. So if you're in a concentration camp, say, during that time when the allies have been defeated, everybody who's running the concentration camps don't say, well, I guess we're done. I guess we got beat. Let's all go home. No, they say, let's destroy and kill as much as possible and destroy the evidence and kill everybody that we possibly can because we know our days are numbered. We are done for. So we will destroy as much as we can before we're found. That's where we live because Satan knows he's been defeated and he's running crazy and wild trying to convince us that he's not. And I assume that in those concentration camps, the the powers that be were trying to convince their captors that, no, the news that you heard about having won the war, no, 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 we're still in control. Hitler still rules. We are still in charge, which is precisely the lies that Satan is trying to whisper in our ears, which is not reality. And the only power he has anymore in the new covenant is to lie to us. And so to the degree that we believe his lies, then yeah, he gets to win a little bit. But he's only winning because he knows he's defeated. Yeah. But it's not just a waiting place. And that's what makes these readings so difficult. We're not just in the in-between. We're not just in the waiting period. We're in the tumultuous, painful period. And that's why the fathers of the church like to give the birth analogies, that this new creation is being born into the world, and we're stuck right in the middle of the labor pains. But it's labor pains leading to new life, leading to a new creation, not the kind of pains that lead to death.
It's the pains that need to lead to new life. But we have to reconcile that, I think, if we're to move forward as Christians in the world. Because otherwise, we can't make sense out of the evil that we experience and see. I labored for 2,000 years to have you. Is that a quote from something? No. <laughs> I'm just. Is that God's that, voice? I, I don't know, man. I just, I just, <laughs> you know how it's like moms are like, I had labor yeah. Yeah. for two days for you. I don't know why I'm doing it in that particular accent. It is a particular accent. It just, it just adds, it adds a humorous element. It adds a level of but uh, I mean, like, potency. Dude, I'm, I think that that's why my, my longing and, and hope for the, for the second coming of Jesus Christ is like so is it's potent it's potent and yeah i really i'm like i'm like you know everybody look busy here he comes yeah. like <laughs> no, i'm just i i just I, I really like the sufferings of this world are hard man yeah. like they really like and and they they're they can take the you can let them take you away yes and and that's the and the, and that's so those lies are potent lies because they're mixed with truth and the father of lies that's wants, how he does it that's how he wants to do it but that's why it's like that's why like the ones who cry out at the top of the voice that um fear not and to, to cry out here is your god he comes with power and he rules he, he god rules <laughs> <laughs> Here is his reward with him, his recompense before him. He feeds his flock in his arms. He gathers his lamb, carrying them in his bosom and leading his ewes with cares. Mm. So like, so it's just, it's, it's one of those things to where like, I think that like in the dark time of, of the, the cosmological dark time, like we're called to proclaim him in the midst of this, to say, God is going to rule. He is going to give recompense and vindication. And like the consolation is coming. Like, and there's not a question. It's not an if, it's a when. Right. And that's the thing that's important for a Christian uh, well, to remember. Well, and that, that, he yeah. is bringing this. Yes. He is here. He is present. Messiah has come. Now, there's still some sufferings and there's work to be done. Yep. But everybody's going to receive recompense. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Reading, I'm just reading that first passage from, it was this morning. And you and I, I mean, we just, we've been going through some hard times in our own lives. We got, we got some stuff in each of our lives that we're just suffering through. Yep. And I think that's fair to, fair to say. Yeah. And so in the midst of not, that. I'm not re- fair to say. Ah, it's fair, fair to, to say. say. Yeah. But I'm reading that first couple of lines. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim that her service is an end. Her guilt is expiated. She has received from the hand of the Lord double from all of her sins. Um. I'm hearing at least my own experience of Advent, or at least what I want my Advent to be in those words. Advent, of course, it's a penitential season. It's sort of like Lent. But it, I, I never look at it like Lent is very penitential. We're preparing for the Passion. Advent, yeah, it is a period of fasting in a certain sense, but it's a little bit different because we're, what it, we're waiting it for is a different. It's, it's very it's, much different. It's not the, it's like the East, they call it mini Lent, but like yeah. in the West, we don't call it mini Lent. And we don't quite look at it that way. No. It's a waiting time though, but. but preparation time. Preparation time. And I'm, I'm looking at this and this is what I want my Lent because again, times are hard. And I hear this and it's what God, what God is saying through Isaiah is take a breath for a second. Take some comfort. Your your guilt is freed. Your times are hard, but you can you can rest for a minute. Mm. And God is speaking tenderly to Jerusalem. Your service is ending. You can take a seat. You can sit down and breathe for a minute. Why? Because vindication's coming. Well, when he writes this, vindication is still many hundreds of years off. Right. But it's still this sort of permission to say, but it is coming. So you can take a breath for a second. 
And in the midst of Advent, I mean, we know the Messiah is coming. Mm. We know that we're preparing for remembering when Jesus was born. We also know that he's coming back. I don't know when he's going to show up. And this season liturgically is this time that we're being asked, hey, take a breath for a second. Mm Mm-hmm. See, look toward what I've done and let that give you the confidence for what I'm going to do. But I just keep, I keep rereading through those first five verses and hearing God saying, you can take a breath. It's going to be a while yet. You're not totally out of the woods here, but you're going to be. And that's a promise. Again, it's not an if, it's a when. It's a that this is happening. Mm-hmm. But that's how I'm looking at my advent or at least how I'm trying to. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So, you know, it's, got, it's still a ways I, off. I want you to take a day off tomorrow. <laughs> you know tomorrow's a day off, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, oh, benevolently. Yeah, you, your guilt is expiated, man. I just want to speak tenderly to you, man. Thanks, man. I mean, like, isn't that, like, I really like that. I mean, I just yeah. think, like, bosses everywhere. If you are a boss, mm. you, A, should give your people uh, every solemnity off. Amen. So if it's a solemnity, they sh- your people should not be working, A, that's a real, that's an actual holiday because holy day. Holy day. Happy it, holy day. Holy day. So you should do that, A, and B, you should speak tenderly to them and tell them that you love them and that they mean something to you and that they're good people and, like, give love because t- the truth is that we are all guilty. We have all sinned. Mm. And we have received double from the hand of the Lord. Some, some, some people got a quadruple on that one. I'm just <laughs> yes. saying, man, that's like that's true. So, and that's that's why that's why we look to the psalm and like exactly. And that's like, great. Like, like Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. Like, yeah, like dude, that. What a good. That's like, isn't that from the depths? Right. That's there? the cry. That's the cry. That that should be the cry again of Israel receiving the words of Isaiah. Comfort. I'm speaking comfort to you. I'm speaking tenderly to you, Israel. What's their response? Thank you. So let us see it. Right. We hear your words. We hear what your pro- at least I mean we don't they don't really hear the prophets. They reject them. But you know, maybe some certainly heard the words of the prophets. So let us see your kindness. Grant us your salvation. Well, when does the Lord let them see his kindness and grant them us his salvation? Incarnation is a great start. The incarnation. I mean, it it's oh, there's a baby who's gonna be born. I I, I yeah, I was going to go on another, bring the Magi into this, but that's that's for another day. But but to see that, a psalm like that, to hear the cry of the depths of that psalm and to recognize, oh, wait, we have seen it. I'm praying this, and I actually did see that. That's uh, There's a little, uh, you know, crutch at the church with a little baby, a statue of a baby. <laughs> and yeah, I, we did see his kindness, and we were shown his salvation. Yeah. We're still waiting to feel, again, the fullness of that. But again, the people in, of Israel in the time of Isaiah, they had to wait a few hundred years for that. But yet doesn't change what God is saying. I'm still speaking tenderly. Wait it out. It's okay. Take a breath. I'm coming. It's going to be a baby, and then I'm going to have to grow up, and that's going to take a few years too. <laughs> and then they're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise again. It's going to be a bit, but it's okay. Make yourself comfortable for a little while. Mm. That's the book of comfort. Get comfy. It's going to hurt a little bit. Mm. Well, this is the thing, though. It's like I was talking to my brother about a priest he knows who's like, he's like, he, he's like, you know, he's a kind man. He's he's the kind of guy you want at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, that's good. And it says, for, you know, I will hear what the Lord God proclaims, for he proclaims peace to his people. He hmm. says, near is indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. Like, hmm. I don't know. There's like something, you know, there's something just wonderful about somebody who proclaims peace. Like, yeah. peace be with you, Scott. Peace. And with your spirit. And with your spirit, Thank bro. You. 
I'm of your spirit. And so like kindness and truth shall meet and justice and peace shall kiss. Truth is going to be a spring from the earth and justice is going to be like rain coming down from heaven. Like, like, dude, just like, like just, there's so many people who are activists who are trying to work for justice, Mm -hmm. who are trying to reveal the truth. And there's so many people who are pouring themselves out saying like, will nobody look, will nobody Mm -hmm. see this? Do we not see how unjust and how false and how many lies are being promulgated? Mm -hmm. Just imagine like, just like the desire that you have for the truth to be known, like imagine it just raining. Like all of a sudden you look outside and you're just like, oh my goodness, it's here. It's just here. It's just being poured out. We can we can be at peace. Like, and we can know, and everybody knows the truth and they just drink from it like this beautiful geyser. Like It's hard to imagine that. Yeah, I mean, th- 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 this is the danger of a reading like this is to read it and be like, yeah, I mean, this is this sounds nice. But I think that's that's the danger of our times is we can read something like this and feel jaded. Like that's a nice idea, you know. But really, we're we're always gonna I don't know, maybe that's just me. <laughs> in my in my own jadedness. Dude, but I it's the kind of thing like I want to believe that. Mm. I want and that's my prayer. Lord, I want to believe that that's possible. I want to believe that there's a world where justice and peace can kiss and kindness and truth shall actually meet because that's not what I see mm. when I look at the world. But I want to believe that you can do that. You'll reveal that. And that's the waiting place. Kindness and, you know, and truth shall meet. Like, isn't that, isn't that what we say? Love and the love and truth. I mean, sorry. Yeah. Like the truth and love. The truth and love. Yeah. Yeah. And the love and truth. You can say it the other way. You too. can say it the other way. But again, that's not what we see. It's, and it's a hard thing to Shut do. Up. That's the truth. I'm just kidding. Like I was just, I was being that the truth. Uh, you're, you're like, you're like, well, you were no, no, so was, shocked. You, you no, just I looked at me. I was thinking of a witty response. Oh, whatever. I dude. was ready for I you. Just, uh, I was ready for you. <laughs> I made this for you. Is that something you're quoting? Dude, yeah. Dude, it's, it's, the, it's the guy who makes hot Kool-Aid for his friend. He's this Australian. And then he's like, hot he's Kool-Aid. Like, he's like, I made, he's like, he's like, I tried all your things. He's like, I made this for you. Just try it. And then he like tries it and he's like, that's pretty good. Oh my goodness! Which I don't even know Sounds how like that leads. Sounds like Kleenex and ham. Yeah, like um, so. Let's go to Second Peter. And you're Peter, so that's a good segue. Dude, there's no segue to this one. We're just gonna oh, we jump it. in. Like it's gonna be a hot skip, hot skip. Do not ignore this one fact, beloved. Okay, whoa, dude, that's a like, dude, that's a pretty bold like introduction. Like it's if I told really that to you, I'd be like, line. I'd be like, Scott, do not ignore this one fact. He's like, if you remember nothing else, remember this. Okay, what is it? That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And what have we been talking about? That sounds like work. That wait. sounds like my that sounds like my work. <laughs> <laughs> one day is like a thousand years. <laughs> when do I get a clock out? I'm just kidding. But, that was that was a prophetic action for those who <laughs> Can you tell I'm into this prophetic action thing I can, right now? A little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. thinking about that. But talk to me about what you're saying. No, no, just in the in that I mean, this isn't a problem for the Lord telling the Israelites on the time of Isaiah, take comfort, your salvation's coming in 500 years. <laughs> but for the Lord, it's like, no, that's that's because you're going to look back and it's not going to, it's going to be like a blip. Why does God do that? I was, I was meeting with some students on Monday where we you're talking about uh, the Exodus story. They were trying to understand Moses and what he's doing, his role. And uh, we were talking about just, you know, the segue from the time of Joseph, right, in Genesis, when the Israelites went to, up to Egypt to receive salvation from that famine. And then, you know, 400 years later, when now there's a new Pharaoh and he doesn't know the Israelites and Moses is born and things are crazy and he's trying to kill everybody. And I, I was telling them that part of the reason that God has to pull Moses up is that the Israelites have forgotten who God was. 
And I, God bless these guys. I mean, they literally looked at me. They're like, oh, really? Like they didn't know God anymore? I'm like, oh, bless your hearts. I mean, you know, that's the biblical story is that people keep forgetting God. And we should be shocked by that. And it was good to see their response. But they're like, how do they, like, we've just finished going through Joseph and all these other patriarchs in our little study together. How could they forget And I said, well, think about it. I mean, it was 400 years in the Exodus. How long has our country been around? What, a couple hundred years? And look at how far we've strayed from the moral principles that we were founded on and the, you know, the the beliefs that we had. Imagine what we're going to be like in two to three more hundred years from now. And they were like, oh, I could see how a country could forget God entirely in that length of time. Dude, Even half that length of time. And they were like, oh, we get the time frame now. Let's just take this in the land of technology. Yeah. Like um, I've been studying and I've been super into the Antikythera mechanism. Obviously. Obviously. The Antikythera mechanism is purported to be the world's first computer. Oh. Um, it was probably made around 2,000 years ago. Oh. Um, and it takes, uh, you know, the metatonic and caliphic uh, calendars, joins them into one to be yeah. able to determine dates, eclipses, you know, Isthmus Games, the Olympic Games. It's a it's it's a Greek made, uh, it's a Greek made uh, celestial planning tool. But what it does is is it accurately calculates the retrograde motion of the planets. Okay. In a computer. Okay. When was the next time we really get accurate um, from accurate um, uh, calculation of the retrograde motion of the planets? Nineteen seventy three. Uh, no, if, I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> Kepler, Johannes Kepler. Kepler. Yo, obviously, Johannes Kepler. Johannes Kepler, which is interesting because uh, here is a is a thing who, that's taking up Babylonian hmm. calendars with Greek calendars to be able to calculate the way that the planets go and eclipses and the whole thing. Wow. I've been asking myself, like, wow, this is really accurate for this this ancient mechanism, and they they hmm. believe that it was like the second or third iteration, this particular one, and they X-ray wow. it, and people are rebuilding it, and all these things. And and I've been thinking about the the prediction of of uh, the uh, the ability to follow the planets mm. and the magi mm. yeah right. what if the rich magi had some sort of access to an antikythera mechanism Ooh, and and that they were able to actually understand and to see and to chart out and part of the reason why they were able to do it is because this technology was available to them right around 2000 years ago mm. that allowed them to see and to track the star the planet star to be able to get them there. We're also talking about the time frame for the first time that the Bible had been translated into the vernacular languages. So they actually could have had a readable version while not doing Hebrew. See, with which hadn't happened hundreds of years before that. Absolutely. So you so it's like you're looking around and you're going like, "Oh my goodness. God's timing is really interesting, isn't it?" It's really interesting and I've been thinking about that. Then it's lost. What's the, lost? The technology, the, oh. the mechanism. It's lost in a shipwreck. So it shows up for this brief window. Absolutely. For representatives of the world to see Jesus, and then it disappears. Well, this, is my, this is my theory right no, now. That's, it's fascinating. It's very fascinating. And then it's lost in a shipwreck, wow. you know, and and we're going like, whoa, this is like this is the crazy thing. I and mean, it's hmm. lost. So in, in t- even in technology, the, even the most advanced technology can be lost. And takes us the um, an amazingly long amount of time to be able to recover and get back. I to lose it. my iPhone all the time. I'm like, it's <laughs> lost. <laughs> it's <laughs> I do. No, but but it goes along with this next line of, of Saint losing Peter. God, losing technology, lo- like this this losings. Well, yeah. You see, you're focused on the losing part, which is which is very interesting, right? And I'm focused on the timing of it. 
mm. that isn't it amazing that at that window it, it everything came together everything and allowed came together it. because look at what he says the lord does not delay his promise as some regard quote unquote delay right it might seem like oh this is taking forever this is delayed but there's this this way of speaking about time in greek right you have you have chronos time chronos means you know if i look at my watch it is 1145. That is the chronos, right? right? But then there's this other Greek word called kairos, which is time in a broader sense. It's like God's timing. Like salvation history time. Yeah, exactly. So there's these, you know, for example, uh, in the time of Noah, when he's on the boat, remember there's this line in the middle of the story of Noah where it says God remembered Noah, <gasps> which is not, Oh yeah, my gosh, Noah. God's like, oh shoot, Noah's on the boat. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, no, it's not. That's not that kind of, it's like the timing is right. Now is the moment that I will act. Why did he wait 400 years to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt? I don't know, because that's when Moses was born. Maybe that's when word was going to get around about the mighty deeds, the plagues to all these other nations. I don't know. Why does he wait 2,000 years for Jesus to be, uh, sorry, 2,000 years ago? Why does he wait hundreds of years for Jesus to be born, to become incarnate? Well, isn't it in interesting that all of a sudden the known world has a common language, Greek? which actually hadn't happened before. Isn't it interesting that the Roman Empire had just completed the most vast expanse of highway systems that the world had ever seen? How convenient that the Messiah should come and all of a sudden there is a route for his message to get out to the known world in a common language that everyone shares that hadn't happened before. You know, you begin to look at God's timing and say, why? Why did he wait so long? Why did he wait till that moment? Why does he give Noah this task of building a boat that Genesis tells us is going to take 120 years. Well, it's because Noah's task isn't just to build a boat. Noah's task is to try to proclaim the word of the Lord to all of the people so that they can be saved. And that's what Peter keeps saying. He's patient with, with us. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants that all will come to repentance. So sometimes God takes his time before yeah. he does things because he wants to give us ample opportunity. Why does you know, Jesus says the temple in Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And then, boom, 70 years later, it happens. Yeah. Like, that's a long, or 40 years later, sorry. It happens. You're like, why does God wait that long? Well, because he's patient and he wants to give us a chance to come back to him. He never rushes to judge, to punish. His timing is never what we want our timing to be, but he's never delayed. He's never early, but he's not late. Right? Yeah, which, dude... The, but you kind of blew my mind with the... Whatever the thing you said with the, the timing of the Magi, that wow, what an interesting thing that in that window super it works. speculative. Yeah, I know, but it's it's interesting, and right. it goes along with the if that's true, it goes along with the theme that we're seeing. God's timing to us, you know, it seems like a hundred years, but it's like a day to God. It works just as it should. Absolutely, and but dude, I'll tell you, man, existentially, let's be honest mm -hmm. about if we believe that personally. You know what I'm it's saying? It's hard to believe that. It's hard. Like, this is the thing. Is that, is How that, long, like, oh Lord? I choose that in my will, yeah. and I present that from my intellect to choose in my will. Yeah. But I will tell you, that's where it's it's hard to have faith sometimes because you say, like, Lord, why didn't you help my child? Like, yeah. this is in the riddled in the Gospels. Like, if, if you would have been, been here. here, then Lazarus would not have if died. If you'd have just hurried up a little bit. Right. And, Which is what Martha's, or Mary... The, if you wouldn't have dilly dallied, he'd be alive. Getting a dilly dally, 
what was that dill dill dilly bar isn't that dilly like... bar yeah dilly pop dilly bar yeah <laughs> i didn't even know man <laughs> now i'm hungry yeah rightly and so then <laughs> but but then it says but then the day of the lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a mighty roar and the elements will be dissolved by fire and the earth and everything done on it will be <laughs> found out oh my he's gonna turn the lights on yo <sighs> and are we gonna be ready yeah. Because we have been waiting for a long time. And it's really easy to be like, eh, it's not going to happen. It's really easy to lose that faith and say, you know what? It ain't coming. Dude, I look at, I look at like, um, honestly, I, I think that like sometimes the meditation on this is like the Hunger Games. The Hunger <laughs> Games is like this meditation that somehow there's this. <laughs> this. There it is. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I can't even do it. No, but good. like, like that's the thing. It's like I think that we're we're wondering like when is the Lord going to come back? Is this just the Truman Show? Are we just here? And mm. are we? You know, is he like a puppet master, just kind of yeah, but, watching us and controlling her? Yeah, and and like, is he gonna? When is he gonna send what we really need? And like, that's what this meditation on the two comings of the Lord is in Advent, yeah. is to say like, okay. Yeah, we can't be earthbound. We must remain our trajectory that it is going to be eternal life with God and that that eternal life begins now. And that, yeah, like, Scott, I mean, is everything, are all the elements going to be gone? Are we just going to dissolve everything? Is this going to be a big explosion? Like, is this going to be like Star Wars with the Death Star and it's going to zap the earth and everything's going to blow up? Well, here's the here's the problem. Yeah. Here's, are you actually asking me? Yeah, I am. I don't, we don't know is the answer. But what we think and what I think the scriptures lend us to, the, the world is going to pass away, okay. but it's going to be reborn. The analogy we find for that, of course, is Jesus who right. passed away. He died. He was destroyed. And then he rose again glorified. We are all going to die, but we are going to rise again and have our bodies glorified. So I think the analogy is even the rest of creation, it will pass away, right. but that same creation will be resurrected in a certain sense glorified transformed mm. but it is that's the thing though that's why it matters my body matters my my material my whole self matters because this same self is going to be risen back up on the last day the whole world matters everything matters because god is raising it all back up he doesn't he doesn't make mistakes in his creation it's not like well this creation stunk i'm going to blow it up and then start again no, no, I'm going to use my creation. I am reforming it and recreating it as we speak, just like he is recreating us right. at every moment up until the point of our death and our resurrection. Yeah, I, li- I like St. Peter. He says, since everything's, he's, he's like, okay, since everything's going to be dissolved in this way, he says, okay, let's actually figure out what can we do right now? Hmm. What sort of persons ought you be conducting yourselves in holiness, devotion, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? Because of which the heavens will be dissolved in flames and the elements melted by fire. But according to his promise, we await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you await these things, be eager to be found without spot or blemish before him at peace. <sighs> And that, this is a guy who probably thought Jesus is coming back within the decade. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I mean, I don't know what Peter thought. But the call of all Christians is to expect that Christ will come back in your lifetime. Right. So he was right to think that. We're right to expect it. And you know, it might be 2,000 more years. But I mean, this is a guy saying, be ready in the next couple of years, because that's probably when it's going to happen. 2,000 years on, are we hearing him with the same um, immediacy? You know what I mean? Yep. Like he's really thinking I'm going to see this happen. We read this and we're like, eh, we probably won't see that. I happen. don't know, man. I've right now recently I'm like, dude, things are heating up. They are. Times are, are hard. Yeah. So I think this is all the more reason to listen more see closely. Your phone agrees. <laughs> yes. More closely to these words. All right, the gospel. Gospel. 
Godspell. Godspell. Okay, check this out. This is the first line of the Gospel of Mark. And I believe... Stop it. Don't make fun of me. Okay. <laughs> I believe there's grammatically two ways to read the first line of Mark. Do you have your little fancy uh, notes on your little iPad version of your Bible? There? Uh, what, do, what kind of notes are you looking for? Well, okay, so let me ask you this. Here's what it says. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Okay. Okay. And then the first line is, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, quote, I am sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way. Okay. Do you see the problem in that? Do you have any, any notes in your... I send my messenger before thy face who shall prepare thy way before thee. Yeah, where does that come from? Isaiah. Are you sure? It has been written in the prophets. I don't know if it comes from Isaiah. It's a quote from Malachi. Malachi! So a lot of people give Mark a hard time okay. and suggest... A lot of people think it's the first one, partially because a lot of people think that Mark just seems thrown together. It seems really haphazard and kind of inconsistent. It seems to jump, maybe make mistakes at times. I don't think that that's what some scholars think, partially because of this. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, and then he quotes Malachi, Behold, I send my messenger before you, ahead of you to prepare your way. Which is weird that he quotes Malachi there, right? So anyway, I, I don't want to belabor this too much, but the there's two ways I think you can read this. And then he goes on to pro- quote Isaiah as well, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He stitched together two prophets, right? Got it. One half is from Malachi, the other half is from Isaiah. But, you, you know, some scholars read this and are like, well, wait, why did he say it's from Isaiah? Because I think there's grammatically another way to read it. Now, remember, we just were set up by Isaiah in the first reading. It's Isaiah that, like, like you said, this is the foundation of everything. This is the foundation for all of the stuff in a certain sense that's pointing us to what Jesus is going to do. So there's another grammatical way. So in Koine Greek, there's no uh, punctuation. So there's no periods. We, translators had to figure out where to put them later on. So you could read it as saying, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Period. Uh, yep. And then it goes on to say, behold, I am sent a messenger. And I think the reason that's a good idea is that I think Mark understands. He's like, hey, what I'm telling you, it's to fulfill the readings in Isaiah that you all are familiar with, that you've all been waiting for, where the Lord says, take comfort, speak. I'm speaking tenderly to you. Your, your salvation is at hand. It's coming. I am pulling on that. I'm showing you the answer to that question. So I wonder if he sort of sets you up that way. You know, sometimes it's said that Isaiah is considered the fifth gospel <laughs> yeah. because it's so packed with what Jesus is going to do. And Mark is basically saying, hey, it's been hundreds of years. I'm not even, you know, I, I'm writing these words to show you that now is the time. This is the Kairos moment, right? You might have forgotten about it. You might have let your guard down. You might have been looking for something else. But here it is. Isaiah's coming true. And guess who it is? It's John the Baptist appearing in the wilderness, in the desert. Because Isaiah said, there's going to be a voice crying out. Get you up on a high mountain, O Zion, right? A voice crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Oh, who is the voice? Well, the very next line, there's John the Baptist. He appears in the wilderness, right? He proclaimed a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And so all the people flocked to him. And it talked about how he was dressed like Isaiah, not Isaiah. um, The prophet. Elijah. Elijah. Which matters because Malachi, the same thing that Mark quoted, Malachi ends. He's the last written prophet in the Bible. It's sort of God's last word before really there's silence prophetically for hundreds of years until Jesus. The last thing that the last prophet says is that when the Messiah comes, you will know where to find him because Elijah will show up first. Mm. That's the message. And now here's John the Baptist saying, dressed and acting 
exactly like Elijah. And Mark is saying, look, it's right there. Now is the Kairos moment. There he is, a crazy man out in the desert eating bugs, screaming at you to repent. (laughs) It's not necessarily what everybody was expecting. Nope. But there it is. And if you have the eyes to see it, he's saying, yeah, now is the moment. All your waiting has now come to an end. And, you know, we look back on this during Advent, remembering the incarnation of Jesus and how he was born. And now the church is pointing us a little bit ahead about when he started his ministry, he's baptized. But in the same way, I mean, again, you have this long period of waiting. Jesus calls his own ministry and his own kingdom like the time of Noah, who we talked about before. It took 120 stinking years to build that boat. And then it started to rain and everybody was just kind of probably sick of hearing Noah saying, repent, by the time the flood actually came. But then the flood came and they weren't ready because they had 120 years of basically hardening themselves against what Noah was doing and that boat he was building in his driveway. And then it came like a thief in the night, just like John the Baptist shows up like a thief in the night. And you're like, oh, there's this guy appearing. And then Jesus is going to show up. It's not what anybody expected. But yeah, again, to belabor the point, are we going to be ready when he shows up again? We've been waiting for 2000 years. What if what if the the every day is like a thousand years? What if we had seven thousand years in the church? I mean, that would be kind of cool. <sighs> that would be kind, of, which is seven days for God. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> yeah, it's our eight thousand years. For some reason, I thought that'd be funny, but it wasn't. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's just true. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I that don't know. It's just cool. it's just kind of one of those things where, like, uh, I mean, God is interesting. I mean, I think <laughs> that he he wants us to know and like. What if we acted as if we had a few more thousand years in the church and we, we were patient in our in our understanding, in our scriptural interpretation? I mean, like like in our mm. ability, like because it's it's weird. It's, it's the simultaneous patience of, of saying like, yeah, the Lord is coming like in the next couple minutes and waiting another few thousand years for his coming. Like like the, the, that's the that's the permanent tension of what it means for us to be Christians. That's a really good insight. That's a really good message. I, I just hadn't thought about it in that way. Because we want in you know the the terrifyingness of the world to be like, Jesus, hurry up, come. Right. Like get this over with. Right. So that's one level. And then there's another level of comfort and kind of forgetting about it. But are we willing to live in the tension of I'm ready if he came today, yes. but I'm also prepared for another thousand years to settle in. Another 10,000 years. And I'm not going to be dissuaded if that's the case. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm going to get comfortable, like Isaiah told me to, because I know that he's coming, even if it takes a while. But right. I'm also ready if he came right now. Right. That's a hard tension to live in, isn't it? Yeah. That, that deserves some meditating, I think. For well, me, for me in my life, at least. Oh man! Well, that's where that's where I'm looking, and I'm saying, Lord, I want you to solve some of these problems, and I would really like you for you to do it now. And I'm I'm afraid that you're delayed, and that you're like, you know, on the highway of the Lord, caught in traffic, highway to heaven, baby, highway to heaven. That was a good show. Yeah. So was it? No, I mean, <laughs> but that's you know, but it was sentiment. <laughs> just the name is sentimental. Yeah, like you just like oh, look, primetime TV with heaven, yeah, some that's stuff, good. and angels touched by an angel. Touched, that's right, angel. <laughs> Very too smooth, man. There we go. Like Lord have mercy. So let's go to. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you for listening. We give shout outs in our hearts to all the people <laughs> that we don't have time to give shout outs to right now. Which is all of you. Yes, which is all of you who were sh- shouted out. Thank Let you, by the out. way, for uh, all your support last week with our live podcast and Giving Tuesday. 
you guys totally blew us away with your generosity. Oh we my are so grateful. goodness, you guys are the best. It makes everything go so much better when you are uh, when you are supporting us and uh, and both with your prayers and your finances. It really is just it just means it means the world to us. And it does. Uh, and so for those of you who are extraordinarily giving, um, we look forward to giving you a little bit of love and and shouting you out. <laughs> so God bless you. Thank you. You guys are wonderful. Um, it was sixteen thousand dollars, by the way, we raised. In case you're wondering, which is a Ooh, doggy. which like we have that's about awesome. sixteen thousand downloads a week. By the way, so it's like a dollar download. I mean, that's that's, that's love. Cool. That is amazing. You guys are the best. God bless you. Happy Advent. You know, keep it real. Don't fake the funk. I'm just keeping going because God is like, I got an appointment. (laughs) (laughs) We will see you next week. Okay, bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.